you today for this precious time of worship. It's preaching time now. Would you breathe on us this morning? It's all about you, God. Speak to your servants. And we will know, Lord, how you want us to serve you. How you want us to live in a fallen world. Give me preaching power today. And preaching permission is my prayer. Because it's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen and amen. While you're standing, if you'll crack your Bibles, open to 1 Samuel 24, 1 Samuel 24, verse 14. How about little David, y'all? How about little David? Come on, we can do better than that. Amen. That was great worship. It was great worship. I don't know about you, but I feel like worshiping today. Amen. Amen. It's all about you. 1 Samuel chapter 24. I want to thank all of you for being present today on the Lord's Day. For our visitors here, we are truly grateful that you are with us. For there are over 500 churches in the Fresno area, and you could have easily been in one of them. But by the grace of God, you are here with us today, and we do not take your presence lightly. We are an expository teaching and preaching church, and that means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible. Books and chapters at a time. Family? And today we are journeying through this great book of 1 Samuel, learning and discovering all that God has in store for us. If you have the text, say, I got it, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Verse 14, 24th chapter, verse 14. And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. First Samuel chapter 24. Okay, that's a good one too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm getting excited about this book. Amen. Thank you. Can I start over? All right. That's because I'm in Bible school. Amen. First Samuel 23. Thank you, family. Verse 14. And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day. But God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose. And he went to David in the woods. And he strengthens his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you, but you shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you, and even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, 
And David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went home to his house. And then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gebeah, saying, Is not David hiding with us in the strongholds, in the woods, in the hill of Hakilah, which is in the south of Jeshimon? Now, therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down. And on our part, we will deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. So please go and find out for sure and see the place where, he, where his hideout is. And who has, who has seen him there? For I have been told that he's very crafty. See, therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides, and then come back to me with certainty, and I'll go with you. And it shall be that if he's in the land, that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose, and they went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. And when Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David. Therefore, he went down to the rock. Somebody say the rock. The rock. And he stayed in the wilderness of my arm. And when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of my arm. And then Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul. For Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. But a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry up and come, for the Philistines are invading the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they called that place the Rock of Escape. Y'all see it? And then David went up from there and he dwelt in the strongholds at En Gedi. Oh my. Let the church say amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor, tell them neighbor. neighbor. Oh neighbor. Oh, neighbor. This, morning, this morning, my good looking pastor, my good looking pastor, going to finish his series, which is called One Step in Front of the Enemy. Amen. You may be seated. One step in front of the enemy. In our lesson today, family, David is yet on the run for his life. And Saul, the fallen king of Israel, is still trying to kill him. We discussed in our last chapter that David had been betrayed by the friends of Keilah. David was also advised by the Lord to leave that place, Keilah, because Saul and his motley crew was on the move again. And as we closed that sermon conversation on last week, we saw that David and his 600 men went out into the wilderness to hide themselves in the stronghold. And as they're hiding themselves, they spread out so that the enemy could not get them all at the same time. We said on last week that it was a strategic move to protect his army and to save his own life. 
So when we arrive at today's narrative, you got to know that the fight is still going on. Saul is a relentless enemy, and he will not cease from trying to kill God's man. Can I stop the car right there long enough to tell you something? That's a picture of the Christian's enemies today. The world, the flesh, and the devil are relentless. None of them ever sleep. And all three of these foes have diabolical plans to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So let the wise believer today examine this text and discover how you too can stay one step ahead of your enemy. By listening to the word of God and applying it to every area of your life. I got Four things I'm going to talk about today and I get out of your way. Number one, I'm going to talk about how to stay one step ahead of your enemy. We want to look at David's battle. David's battle. Second thing we want to look at is David's brotherhood. David's brotherhood. Our third point we want to look at is David's betrayal. His betrayal. Then we'll land the plane looking at David's blessing. David's battle. David's brotherhood. David's betrayal. And David's blessing. Y'all going to study with me today? Verse 14, let's unpack David's battle. The text says in verse 14, and David stayed. You should circle that. In the strongholds. Circle that too. In the wilderness. And he remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day. But God. You should always circle that, huh? Those, that, those two words. But God didn't deliver David into Saul's hands. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in, in the forest. Notice this, guys. Our narrative today begins with David staying in the strongholds of the wilderness. Why is that important, Pastor? Well, it's important because the strongholds were like caves and dens. Brother Sean, they were deep crevices in the earth where a man and his army could hide. Hiding or staying in the stronghold becomes a part of David's battle strategy. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, he deliberately believed in not attacking Saul. Now, to you and I, this don't make no sense. It's a strange strategy because David was a warrior. If anybody could whoop Saul, it was David. Come on, talk to me. After all, the man whooped Goliath and then had a hit song on the charts in Israel. Come on, talk to me. But here he is running from the man that ran from Goliath. So for a battle strategy, it doesn't look like it makes much sense. But this is his battle strategy, not to attack God's anointed. Can I say some more? David's strategy is strange, and it's strange in a new place. His strategy in the stronghold is to not just wait on Saul, but to wait on God. To tell him what to do next. Can I say some more? 
Secondly, the text says that Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Here we discover, family, that the source of David's battle strategy is not himself, not his own intellect, not his strategic warfare capabilities, but his source is the Lord. <laughs> I'm going somewhere today. The Lord didn't let the plans of Saul be fruitful. Can I say some more? God was the reason that the evil king couldn't get to David. God was the reason that David was victorious in the battle with Saul. Because God was protecting and providing even in the strongholds. Looks a little like Jesus, huh? Telling you don't fight your enemies. Looks a little like the New Testament, don't it? Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. On last week, we saw that Saul was a good picture of the flesh, the world, and the devil, what I call is the unholy trinity. And they, he sought to destroy the Christian, the believer, the follower, David, who was on a mission for God. And just like Saul, I need to tell you that the world, the flesh, and the devil seeks every day to destroy your witness. Every day. Look at somebody tell them every day. Tell them you don't get a day off because you got an enemy. Am I making sense here? Our battle is real. It's not a made-up fallacy. Day and night and night and day, the evil trio works nonstop to destroy the work of the kingdom. I'm never shocked or surprised anymore, Sister Rie, that there's obstacles when leading your church. There's supposed to be obstacles if you're going to be a godly father, a godly mother. An obedient son or daughter in the home of your parents. They're supposed to be obstacles. But just like David, when we wait in the stronghold. Can I turn the light on right there? The stronghold is the word of God. When we wait in the word of God, God delivers us from the hand of the enemy. I thought y'all would shout right there. God don't expect you to whoop your enemy with these. Come on, talk to me. He expects you for you to go into the stronghold. And to wait on his instructions. The Bible says, but God didn't allow Saul to get David. Can I say some more? Our stronghold family is the sacred, sacred scriptures. It's the place take that we run to to cover from the enemy of our souls. The stronghold is the believer's secret place where they can take cover from the onslaught of the enemy's attacks. Our stronghold is the place where the believer can bury themselves from the pestilence and the noise of the world, Brother Staley, even while living in a hostile place called the wilderness. You do know you're living in a wilderness where there's lion, tigers, and bears. Oh my. Can I say some more? Our stronghold is the place where we wait in the word for God to fight on our side. If you have engaged in a fight with humanity, you have missed 
the leading of the spirit. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Are you with me here? No, we're fighting evil and wicked spirits. Systems and fallen demons. Come on, talk to me. And everybody's in the same fight. Tell your neighbor, I ain't your enemy. I ain't your enemy. I think I just fixed somebody's marriage right there, right there. When I look in this text today, Pastor Jones, I see that David and his men are hiding out in Ziph. What do you mean, Pastor? They're hiding out, and when they get the word that Saul is on the move, they stay placed in the stronghold. Now, why is this important? Because Ziph was a desert town. It belonged to Hebron of Judah. It was where, it was where the farmers and the mountains are, are all collided together. And because they were in Ziph, David and his men were in what I call, what I call, brothers and sisters, uncharted territory. Have you ever been there? It's unfamiliar to you. Have you ever been there? And not only were they in uncharted territory, they were not enemies or friends with the Ziphites. They were not acquaintances or strangers either. But here's what I found out, Reverend Wilson. They were an anomaly to the Ziphites. Can I unpack that? Y'all know what an anomaly is, right? An anomaly is something that deviates from the standard. It's not normal. It's not expected. They were an anomaly because they didn't blend in. Can I say some more? And because they were hiding in the stronghold, they looked different than ordinary people. Stay with me. Stay with me. You too ought to be an anomaly. The world ought to look at you and can't figure you out. Why are you hiding in the biblical text? Why are you not choosing to march and to make noise about injustice? Why are you, like David, have the ability to whoop somebody but choose to do it God's way? Not normal. Did you know that's what the church is supposed to be? Peculiar people. Come on, talk to me. Come on. You're not supposed to be normal. They ought to look in on you and say, why ain't his kids gang banging? Why ain't his daughters all loose? How come they still love each other after 25 years? When everybody else divorcing, come on, talk to me. Everybody else quitting. Why they still in it? Because you're an anomaly. I'm not normal. Can, can, I, can I go there for a minute? Why that church moving again? Did they lose the building? What happened? What did that preacher do? He didn't lose the building. The church is debt free. They don't owe nobody. He going to a bigger campus where he got bigger buildings and he ain't even had to pay for it. he ain't like everybody else trying to stay in one location because he got a church over there of 3,700 and a church here of 300 and he's trying to bring the sheep together 
He's an anomaly. Can I make some noise here? By hiding in the wilderness, David and the boys were bringing attention to themselves from the Ziphites. And the Ziphites saw them hiding in the strongholds and knew the reputation of David. Isn't that powerful? All I'm trying to say is this is how the Christian ought to live. We ought to live life in the wilderness, in the stronghold, waiting on God. Last I checked, Reverend Brown, I ain't taking nothing with me to heaven but me. You can take all the buildings you want to take. You can try. I bet they won't get in the casket with you. All this stuff you're trying to pursue, you're trying to build, you're trying to buy, and you, you, you think you're going to possess it, but really it's going to possess you. And you live your life frustrated with bill callers, bill collectors, and in debt, can't go nowhere, can't do nothing, can't see nobody, because you owe, you owe, you owe, and off to slavery you must go. I want to be an anomaly. I'm not doing what the world tells me to do. I'm not following the instructions of the world. I got one master and I perform for an audience of one. I feel like doing it today. You got to say some more right here. They were willing to appear different. But something happened. Something happened as if, and I'm going to get to that. Verse 15, let me, let me close out this part. David saw that Saul had come to seek his life. You see that right there? So, so circle that. And David, brother BJ, was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Notice the biblical writer Samuel keeps telling you that. Because David, daughter Jasmine, could see Saul's motives and his activities, watch this now, David was able to stay one step ahead of him. I'm going to let that settle in for a minute. Because he could see what the enemy was doing, he could stay one step ahead of what he was doing. What we can learn from this text is that when God gives you wisdom, Use it for his glory. I just dropped something right there. I hope you get it. When God gives you the plan, use it to stay one step ahead of your enemy. When David's men hide in the stronghold or hid themselves in the stronghold, guess what happened? He saved his men and himself. to a place of safety. Why? Lest they be destroyed. Unless he himself be destroyed. Are y'all with me here? David is responsible for the flock. And it's in his heart to make sure that everybody survives. As he leads them, he leads them to a place of safety and security. So when they hid in the wilderness, it's a picture of God's masterful strategy in their strategic warfare. 
David's battle. Look with me at David's brotherhood. Verse 16. You got to say, I'm on it, Reverend. Then, watch this, Jonathan, who was Saul's son, David's enemy, he arose and he went to David in the woods, and he strengthened his hands in God. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel. And I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed in the woods and Jonathan went to his house. Notice this, New Beginnings. When we come here, we see this new development happening in the war between Saul and David. Saul's son, Jonathan, is not fighting with his daddy. To get David. No, but rather he's on David's side in the war. Now, according to the text, Saul can't find David, but Jonathan can. Oh, that was just good. That was just good right there. I know y'all ain't impressed. Let me say some more. Saul was looking for him, but the Lord hid him. From his sight. Can I say some more? But Jonathan was able to find him. Y'all know why? Because the Lord sent him down to his best friend to encourage him in the way. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Just a little while. This implies that the Lord wanted Jonathan to encourage his brother who was hiding in the stronghold. Here we get to see what a true friend is like when the enemy of your souls come in like a flood. You you do know, family, that a true friend will find you and come see about you, even when the enemy is related to them. A true friend will love you, even when their own family is against you. A true friend will support you when it's not popular. To stand by your side. Can I tell you that Jonathan is a picture of a true friend. A portrait of discipleship in the midst of spiritual warfare. Question is, who's your Jonathan today? Who's your your Jonathan? Second question is, who are you standing by in the midst of the war? I already told you all of you in the war. But who are you encouraging today? In the midst of the war. Are you a Jonathan? Or are you a David? Truth is you play both roles. I want you to think about that today. And before you leave this campus. Find you a David. To encourage by the way. Can you do that? Can you do that? High five somebody tell them I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Secondly what I see in the text Reverend Billings is that the text says that Jonathan, watch this now, he strengthened David's hand in this season of difficulty. When I first read this, I thought, well, it's not an anthropomorphic expression because it's not describing God's hand. 
When you see, when you see in the Hebrew text or the, the New Testament says, and it says the hand of the Lord, that's the anthropomorphic expression. It gives you a human body part to try to say that there was God's work. But God is a spirit. He don't have hands. But it's an anthropomorphic expression. This is not an anthropomorphic expression. It's literally trying to describe a prophetic ministry that God had placed on Jonathan. Can I say some more? I got, I got Bible for my theology. Verse 17 said that he said to David, do not fear. Y'all see that right there? For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. Can I, can I argue right there? How do I know it was prophetic? Because Saul kept missing him. David hit him. You just read that. So now Jonathan comes to confirm. What David already knows. The hand of my father shall now find you and you shall be king of Israel. Didn't Samuel the prophet tell him that? He says, and I shall be next to you. And then he says, and even my father Saul knows that. Yes, yes he did. Jonathan spoke prophetically to David. He gave David a word from the Lord. His word was, David, don't be fearful. David, you need to know that Saul can't find you. David, you need to know that one day you're going to be king. David, you need to know that Jonathan, me, your best friend, I'm supporting you and I believe in you. These words are what strengthened the hand of David. These words were soul words. These words were words for a weary heart. These words were consoling words. For a weary mind. These words were words of security for one who was running for his life. These words were words of trust in an untrusting situation. These words were words of peace on a hostile journey. These words were words of confidence when he wasn't sure he could do it anymore. These words were words of God. And these were words that a good friend could bring in a troubling situation. Where my friends at today? Where, 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 where were my friends at today? Somebody who will come alongside and not be the bearer of bad news, but give you some good news that this battle won't last forever. Come on in here. Come on, help me, y'all. Y'all too cool today. Y'all too cool today. High five somebody tell him I'm going to help him right here. I'm going to help him right here. This is how come David could trust Jonathan's message. They were prophetic, his words, and they were from the Lord. They were all things that God had already told him before. They had already been confirmed by Samuel the prophet. But yet God has to remind him in the stronghold of what he told him at the anointing service. Uh, I just dropped something right there. Won't God remind you as you stay in the stronghold? Won't he turn the light on for you and let you see what the end's going to be? Words from a friend, y'all, can mean more than tongue can tell. When was the last time? 
you encourage somebody who was going through it. Huh? When, when was the last time you encouraged somebody about a trial or tribulation they were going through? Truth is, we're more bad news than we are good news. I bet you can count the hand or the number of times on one hand how somebody discouraged you this week. But the opportunities to encourage you are few and none. Am I talking to you? That's because we live in a world of disparaging remarks. We live under the cloud of depression. Somebody looking at me right now, been beat up all week long because somebody didn't remind you of where you come from. Somebody looking at me right now, about to throw in the towel, about to quit your ministry, about to walk away from your church because somebody then told you something that discouraged you. Well, I stopped by to tell you, baby, hang on in there. This battle ain't yours. It's the Lord's. And the Lord's got you. Just stay in the stronghold a little while longer. Tell somebody, I'm staying in, I'm staying in, I'm staying in. Words from a friend, brothers and sisters, are always confirmed as God's words when you can see God moving. Words from a friend in times of trouble, Deacon Mel can be like water in a desert when they need it most. Can I tell you some more about this text? David is hiding in a stronghold in the wilderness, in the forest. He's out there day and night. He's suffering. He's living in the cave. And like water, he needs something to drink. And just when he's about to break or to give up, God sends down Jonathan to bring him a word from the Lord. Oh, that's good news right there. Lastly, Jonathan does something profound for his weary friend. The Bible says, watch this now, he makes a covenant. Y'all in here? He makes a covenant with David before the Lord. Then the text says, and David, he stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. What I like about this text is that Jonathan decides, I'm going to show David that I'm in his corner and I'm on his side. Remember now, all of Judah and all of Israel has forsaken him. But Jonathan comes down and say, I'm standing with you when nobody else will. That's a brother. That's biblical brotherhood. When you stand with somebody, regardless to what the world says about him. Come on in here. That's biblical brotherhood. When you'll be on their side even when everybody else has walked away from them. That's biblical brotherhood. Everybody needs a Jonathan in your life. I know I do. Come on, talk to me. It's easy to be my friend when I'm up and got it going on. It's easy to be my friend when there's money in the bank. Come on, talk to me. When the press clippings are good, but the true relationship or matter of relationship is, can you be my friend when the world's chasing me down? Can you be my friend when the obstacles have come my way? Can I still be your pastor if I should fall? 
Can, can I argue my case here? You want me to be your pastor when you fall? Oh, oh, I know I'm right. If nobody else come to court, you looking for me to come to court. You expect me to show up when everybody else has walked out on you. Don't walk out on me because my war is heated up in the battle. No, I'm preaching about the covenant. I ain't going there. My flesh almost said something. Get thee behind me, carnal nature. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is that Jonathan understood what it meant to be a friend. And he went a step farther and issued a covenant. See, it's easy to go and check on somebody when they down. It's even harder to say, and now I'm going to make a covenant with you. It's my promise I'm going to be with you. Can I say some more? Jonathan could have been on the wrong side of this battle. But the Lord was doing something in his heart and in David's heart too. So this covenant was a sign, BJ, that the Lord saw David. The covenant was a sign, yeah, that they would never fall out because of Saul. That this covenant was a sign that they would be committed to the brotherhood. The covenant was a sign that they would do life together. A sign, Brown, that the Lord was their hope. Yeah. This covenant was a sign of, watch this now, unconditional, unconditional love, respect between two brothers. Tong, it was a sign of peace. Even though there was war between their families. Even though sin had tore these families apart, Brother Grady, God had a plan to keep real brothers in harmony. Where the brothers at? Where the brothers at? God had a plan to keep these men of integrity on the same page because they were loving each other and supporting one another. And I believe that God is teaching us something here, brothers. He's teaching us how to do life with each other. Even though we get in seasons of great trial and tribulations, Christians ought to be people of the covenant. Christians ought to be people who come to see about each other. Christians ought to be people who cross the enemy's lines to check on one another. Christians ought to be like Jonathan, have a word of encouragement for those who are running for their lives. Not a word of gossip. Why is it so hard for us, Matt, to be people of encouragement? We're, we're much quicker to bring gossip to you. Girl, is it true? I'm just calling because I heard. Come on in here. We're quick to carry the gospel of gossip. Instead of the gospel of encouragement. David is down and he don't need nobody to kick. Who have you kicked lately? Go back and apologize. Fix it. Because it's them today. But tomorrow. It's you. 
We've talked about David's battle, David's brotherhood. Look at David's betrayal. This really got me. Verse 19, the Bible says that then the Ziphites, they came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding with us in the strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Hakalah, which is on the south of Jeshima? Now, therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down. And on our part, we'll deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Y'all know Saul ain't even got a relationship with God no more. But he'll drop his name in a minute. You'll catch that on the way home. Saul said, go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there. For I, I've been told he's very crafty. 23. So therefore, take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides. And come back to me with certainty and I'll go with you. And it shall be if he's in the land that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose, these Zephites did, from before Saul. But David, circle that word. And his men were in the wilderness of Maon. They had left from the wilderness of Ziph in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. So when Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David. And therefore, David went down further to the place called the rock. And he stayed in the wilderness of my own. And when he heard that, or rather when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of my own. Can I unpack this? If, if, you don't, if you don't get anything else out of this, get what's in point three. The text says, the Ziphites get word of David and his men in the stronghold of their wilderness. They were in the wilderness of Ziph. And so they decided as a people, they didn't want David there. And what they did was they took it upon themselves to go way up north to Gabeah where Saul was. To tell the king that they found his enemy. Now that's cold. You could have just told David, man, you got to go. You can't be here. But no, they're going to betray him. Can I say some more? The Ziphites have no reason, Brother Nichols, to turn David in. The Ziphites have no reason to engage in that warfare. They don't have a dog in the fight, Sister Tate. They just decide they don't want David to live. Here I come. Here I come. They hate him with all the cause. They hate him just because. They turn on him, Kabuya, for no reason. He ain't bothered nobody. He ain't stole anything. He ain't killed nobody. He ain't harmed a hair on their head. But just because he's hiding in their stronghold, they make it their business to get him out of there. They've taken it upon themselves to become David's enemies also. Can I park the car and idle for a minute? New beginning sometime in life, this will happen to the Christian too. Daughter Christian, the world will just decide to turn on you. Sometimes the world would desire to hand you over to the person who's looking to do you in. Sometimes the world will hate you just because. Sometimes, Pastor Jones, the world will misbehave like the Ziphites. People will just all of a sudden become evil. 
And now even the stranger sometimes can have an issue with you. I went to us the other day. There's a gentleman that lives behind our church. We try to be nice to him. Y'all heard me talk about him before, how I got convicted that time. Because I, you know, was ready to boot him off the property. But he dropped Mel's name. Deacon Mel said, right? I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> Same gentleman. I go to talk to him yesterday about our transition, and a brother drew all back. And I drew all back. My first inclination was the doing. Because I'm being nice to you. I let you keep your stuff in our storage. I ain't told you to move or leave. We're feeding you, encouraging you, leaving beer cans all on the property. I almost went there. But I remembered I had to stay in the stronghold. And it dawned on me, man, I'm trying to help you. And you turning on me? He going to tell me. I told him, man, you got to move your stuff because we're leaving in two weeks. And the property's going to be empty and we can't have, you know, anybody, you know, just lording around the property. I don't want you to go to jail. Well, the landlord said. Yeah, y'all know. Okay, y'all know. I said, I don't care what the landlord said. You can't be here. He turned on me. His little dog came around. I'm looking at the dog. I'm looking at him. Help me, Lord. You get the point. He turned on me. The one who's responsible for ministering to him. He turned on me. Because things were no longer going his way. He turned on me. And you got some people on your jobs and in your homes and in your neighborhoods that will turn on you too. Just because they ziphites. And no longer want to be around you or near you. That's all I'm trying to say. David hadn't did anything to these people in Ziph. But they turned on him. And you know what I know myself? I know there ain't nothing you can do when the ziphites turn on you. These are desert people, Tate. What I mean by that, they're people of the world. And they don't like people that are anomalies. They're desert dwellers, Alex, and so they don't like people who look different from them. They want to make sure that David and his 600 men do not stay in Ziph. And they want them removed. And so they went to the king to get them out of their city, out of their country, and out of their region. Then the text says, Zuna goes something interesting, that Saul sends the Ziphites back home to go see where David is. And he orders him to come back and tell him so he can come get him. Now notice this, uh, that this is the second time in two chapters where people have come to snitch on David to tell the king where he was. But every time they told him, every time he came back, he couldn't find David. He kept moving. But this time, Saul ain't going to travel until he get evidence that David is where these people say he is. Manuel, he wants proof that he's going to be in the certain location so he could kill him. 
check this out, Manuel. I was reading this and I stopped and I said, isn't that interesting? And the Holy Spirit reminded me, he says, see, remember I told you that Saul was like the devil and Saul was like the world and the flesh? And I said, yeah. He says, you do know the devil is not omniscient. Come on in here. He don't know everything. He's got limited knowledge. And like Saul, even though he was king, he didn't know everything. Am I making sense right there? Just like the world, even though they have all the sciences and the schools and the universities, the world don't know everything. That's why they're wandering in darkness, fleeing from the marvelous light. This text was a good reminder for me. Guess what? My enemy don't know everything. When I stay in the stronghold, he can't understand it. When I hide in the word of God, he can't make sense of it. Ah, come on, talk to me. That's why they marvel at the power of the scriptures. Because the scriptures break open light, break open mysteries, unfold secrets of yonder year, and the world can't understand it. Why are they hiding in the strongholds? Saul ain't omniscient. He's an omnipresent. He ain't everywhere at all times. You do know the devil ain't everywhere at all times. He can't be at your house and mine. Come on. Am I making sense here? Bible goes on to say in the next verse, but David and his men saw it come down. They moved from the wilderness of Ziph to the wilderness of my own in the plain on the south of Jeshimah. Now here you get to see that when the Ziphites get back, they've discovered David has relocated from their region to another one. He goes to the place called my own. And it's a place, watch this guys, this really got me. This really got me. He goes to a place that's further south from where Ziph was. Are you in here? As a traveler, watch me, here I go. He went further in and deeper down. That makes some sense? Further in the stronghold. Deeper down in the rock. When the enemy ramped up his attacks, he went deeper than he had been before. Further in than he had ever gone before. He goes from Mayon, I mean from Ziph to Mayon. From a stronghold to a rock. And what he does is he leaves the place of hiding to go to a place of greater strength. Are y'all in here? It too is in the wilderness. It too is surrounded by enemies. But it will now provide a greater place of position, influence, protection, elevation, and security. In the midst of the war. <laughs> I'm going to let that settle for a minute. Sometimes. When you go deeper in the word. At the hardest times of the battle. 
you position yourself to stay a little bit longer in the place of security. The deeper you go in the word, the more profound you become with your thinking. The more security you build up in the midst of your trial. So that now those things that are pursuing you and are hunting you and are hurting you can't even touch you. Because you're in a secret place. When everybody else looking in on your situation is losing their mind, cussing, drinking, developing new habits, you have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Can I say some more? Sometimes in this battle, brothers and sisters, you've got to take what you learn in the stronghold and move deeper into the rock. Uh, the word of God will always lead you to the only one who can keep you. You got to travel like David did to the place of covering, to the place of community, and the place of strength. In Maon, David was elevated, watch this now, where he himself could see the enemy moving. He went down further. He went down deeper. But he was higher in the rock. So he could see anything coming down his way to do him in. Am I making sense there? In Maon, he was aware of how many steps that he had between him and Saul. And Maon, he positioned himself in the wilderness to be victorious in this battle. And Maon, David was waiting on the Lord and staying a step ahead of the enemy. I'm almost through. But let me tell you something we can learn from this text. Brother Bruce, that when you live in the rock, which is Jesus, you are positioning yourself for victory. Who am I talking to this morning? We can learn from this text that when you dwell on the rock, you can always see what the enemy's doing. In the rock and on the rock. Y'all hear? We can learn from this text that when you stay near the rock, you can see the advantage that you have positionally. See, some of us don't know what time it is with the enemy because you're far from Christ. Some of you can't even tell that the enemy then snuck into your stronghold because you're too far from the rock. But when you draw near to Jesus, you can smell the enemy. And you only be longer, no longer fighting to and fro about decisions. Should I date her? Should I take this job? Should I be going out of town, you know, with her? Y'all, come on, talk to me. Those decisions that you make every day that are life and death, you'll be able to see this is warfare, and that's going to hurt me, my family, my church, my community. If I make this decision, there ain't no return. But the only way you do that it's by being in Christ and by being on Christ and by trusting Christ with every decision. Well, let me land the plane when I tell you about David's blessing. I told you about David's battle, David's brotherhood, David's betrayal. Look at David's blessing. And I'm through. The text says in 26, then Saul went on one side of the mountain. Watch this, y'all. And David and his men on the other side of the mountain. How was he able to do that? He saw him coming. Are you with me here? 
And so David made haste <coughs> to get away from Saul. For Saul and his men, watch this now, I like this word. They were encircling them, Carly. And David and his men to, to take them. And then verse 27 just happened all of a sudden. Somebody say, but. A messenger came to Saul right when he's encircling David and says to him, hurry and come for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore, Saul had to leave from pursuing David and go against the Philistines. And they called that place, here it is, the rock of escape. And then David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds of En Gedi. When you come to this last three verses, we see that David, enemies, almost had caught up to him in his secret place. <clears throat> David has what I call as a close call in ministry. It was an evil setup by the Ziphites, and it would have almost called a crisis in faith. For the enemy had almost moved in. Saul, pursuing hard, nearly discovers David, but God, he sends Saul a diversion. And this diversion calls for Saul to stop pursuing his man and go and fight another enemy who's pursuing Saul. Y'all catch that there? The text says that it was an unknown messenger that showed up out of nowhere to tell Saul that the enemy that he's pursuing, he needs to leave alone because another enemy is now pursuing him. Can I say some more? You got to leave David alone, Saul, because somebody is coming in to get your family. Uh-huh. And I wrote myself a note here that, that God knew just what to do, Mason, to get Saul to leave the battle to protect David. See, this text is not about a close call or a near miss. No, this text, Sister Wilson, is about being in the will of God and trusting God in the battle, in the midst of your struggles. David was safe because he was on the rock. (laughs) David was safe because he was in the rock. God is his rock. And God won't let the enemy destroy his anointed king who he has called him to live on that rock. What a powerful text. God's word was at stake here. And Jonathan brought David a word from the Lord. David listened to the instruction, and the best place for him to be at that moment was on that rock, even though Saul was drawing near to him. Why? Because on the rock, it was a place of safety and security. Secondly, the text says... And as Saul returned from pursuing David and went to fight the Philistines, they named the place of the encounter the Rock of Escape. Stuck a flag in the ground where God saved him. I just said something right there. Some of you got some flags you need to bury today. You need to go back to some places and say, this is where the Lord saved me from her. This is where the Lord saved me from him. This is where the Lord saved me from them. Flags of salvific evidence that God heard you in the midst of the war. Uh, Help me, Holy Ghost, just a little while. 
I almost slept on this final piece until I went back to look at it again. David, after being saved on the rock of escape, Tom, he got away out of there to another place of security. David seems to keep moving, Sean, from security to security. And he's doing it as he's living in strongholds in the wilderness. Okay, y'all missed it. As, as you stay in the word, in the wilderness, which is the stronghold, God takes you from security to security. Life will keep getting better. It may keep getting harder, but it'll still be sweeter. Because he'll take you from security to security. Okay, y'all ain't impressed. Let me open this, because I know New Beginnings are Bible readers. He goes from the stronghold of Ziph to my own to now the strongholds at En Gedi. En Gedi is a place of security for David because Saul, the enemy, is nowhere around. The word in, E-N, hyphen Gedi, the E-N is the prefix for the Hebrew word for spring. He goes from Maon to the spring of Gedi. The word Gedi in the Hebrew is the word for salt. He goes from a place of thirst and weariness in the wilderness to a place and a spring of refreshment and renewal. Because he stayed in the stronghold. In the stronghold, in the stronghold, he may have got thirsty some days. In the stronghold, he may have had to go without some things. But when the time was right, God ran his enemy and then promoted him to a new location. And in in Gaddy, he got replenished and refreshed by the springs of water. But yet he still chose to stay in the stronghold. That's all I got. I ain't got no more. In Gedi was a place of renewal. He went from my own to the springs of Gedi. He was renewed, re-energized by the springs of living water. He was revived and revigorated because of his safety and security. He was saved on the rock and reinvigorated at En Gedi. All my brothers and sisters, that's just like you and I. Billings, listen to this. When God saved you and me from the enemy, he did it on the rock of our salvation. Am I right? His name is what? Jesus. And after he saved us, we too became refreshed by the blood and cleansed from all unrighteousness by Jesus. Now our Mayon and our Engedi 
it took place in the same time at Mount Calvary. Calvary becomes the place where salvation happens <laughs> for the broken, weary traveler. Calvary is the place where springs of water happen every time the believer makes his way to the cross. Oh, I'm preaching. Y'all ought to just come on here. It's because of what Jesus did on that dreary Friday night outside of the city of Jerusalem that I can be renewed and refreshed. So I'm glad today that he fought for me on the hill of Golgotha. I'm glad today that he hid me in himself on the hill of Golgotha. I'm glad today he became my sacrifice on the hill of Golgotha. For when he died, he became the rock of my salvation. When he died, he was the one who could give me new life. Calvary was both my, my own and my in Getty. And just like David, I got blessed because God thought of everything. Out on the cross, God thought of everything. He thought about my sins from today, yesterday, and tomorrow. And he took them away by the blood of the Lamb. Out on the cross, God thought of everything. He thought of my need for daily renewal. He thought of my need for tomorrow's fresh beginnings. Out on the cross, God thought of everything. I'm so glad that I can go to En Gedi anytime the world draws near. Out on the cross, I got help in the time of need. I'm just like David. I got blessed because God was on my side. I'm just like David. I got blessed because God was looking out for me. Just like David, I got blessed because God is my rock. He's my, my own. He's my Engedi. And I'm so glad that out on the cross, Jesus paid it all. Didn't he die? He died to the earth rocked and riddled. Didn't he die? He died that I might be born again. Didn't he die? And I heard, I heard, I heard that early Sunday morning he got up with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And now I'm going from strength to strength. I said, now I'm traveling from strength to strength and stronghold to stronghold. I got confidence that everything is going to be all right. I might be in a storm today, but if I hang on, if I hang on, I heard David say, weeping may endure for a night but joy I said joy joy it comes in the morning ain't God alright I've moved several times and I'm moving again but I keep going from stronghold 
the stronghold. Can I preach it like I feel it? When I first landed in Fresno eight years ago, I lived in the stronghold of Mark. I walked in the stronghold of Acts. We moved over yonder to the west side and I walked through the stronghold of Genesis. We came back over yonder and I walked through the stronghold of John. And after walking through the stronghold of John, I talked to judges in Exodus, Deuteronomy and Numbers. I'm living from stronghold to stronghold and now the storm is still raging, but I'm living in First Samuel. He's my stronghold. God's teaching me how to stay the course in spite of trials, in spite of tribulations. I'm a stronghold journeyer. I'm walking in the word of the Lord. Oh, heck, can I say some more? His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love the word. Can't live without it. You can take my musicians. You can take my singers. You can take this building, but don't touch the word. I need the word to lead me and guide me, to comfort me. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear no evil, for the Lord is with me. His rod, his staff, it comforts me. Surely, 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 shall I, goodness and mercy, will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell, I'll dwell, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. Say yeah, say yeah. Don't fool me now. Do you love the Lord? Do you love his word? Are you a resident in the stronghold? Shake somebody's hand and tell them what you're reading. Tell them where you're dwelling. Tell them what you're reading. Yeah. 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 Where my stronghold people at? They come to life groups. They in Bible study. They in the Angolos Biblical Institute because they like the word. Can't live without the word. I can live without McDonald's. I can live without burgers and fries. I can live without milkshakes and TV. I can live without new apps on my phone. I can live without my iPad. I can live without owning a house or owning a car, but I can't live. I can't live. I can't live without the word. Say yeah, say yeah. Where the believers at? Any believers over here? If you love the Lord and you love the word, say amen. Where the believers at? Anybody over here? Love the word. High five somebody and tell them I love it. Anybody in here like to study the word? The word is a lamp. The word is a light. Say amen. Anybody here love the word? Jeremiah said the word is like a hammer. It breaks up follow things. Say amen. Anybody over here like the word? Paul said the word is the sword of the spirit. You can use it in warfare. Pull out your 
the sword. Say amen. Where the preachers at? Where the preachers at? Preach the word. Be in season and out of season. Say yeah. I'm closing now, but I love your new beginnings. I love your new beginnings. Let's stay in the word. Let's stay in the word. Tell somebody the building is moving, but the Bible ain't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You want more of the word. Want you to get involved in a Bible study. Get involved in a deep study of the word. It'll bless you as you grow closer to the Lord. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Wow. You can't.